Hey guys, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike, and thank you for joining me for this episode of Amateur Altours. You can follow us on Twitter at AltoursPod, or you can email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at theamateuraltourspodcast at gmail.com. It also means so much to both Brian and I. If anyone could just take a moment out of your busy day and leave a review and rating on whatever platform you listen to the show on, the feedback is always much appreciated. So this episode, we have another iteration of What Am I Missing? Now, for those of you new to the show, the premise is simple. Myself and a guest will make recommendations of all media that we feel people have been missing out on. There are no limits to the recommendations, and this week, I'm extremely pleased to introduce my guest co-host, Mike Scott. So Mike is one of the two fabulous co-hosts of the Dana Buckler Show, and primarily appears on the segment of the 20th Century Movie Club back on Dana's show. So... And, and that was a huge inspiration that I mentioned way back with Dana when he was on this segment. And with that being said, everyone, please welcome Mike Scott to the show. Mike, thank you so, so much for agreeing to come on and talk with me this week. Thank you so much for inviting, inviting me, Mike. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, and so before we begin, I, I want to ask you this question since, I've, I've, as anyone knows, and I'm sure there's lots of surrogates from Dana's show, have you been into podcasting before Dana's show? Because this is the first time that we've talked in person, or I guess over the internet, uh, outside of a Twitter interaction here and there. But have you been, so that's my question, have you been involved in podcasting before, or is it just kind of like outside of listening to them? No, I had not. So I actually found Dana's show through another website and another podcast called F This Movie, which is one of my favorite podcasts in the world. And I love that community. And they they introduced me to Dana's show. And uh, about eight, nine months ago, Dana put out a call saying he was changing how is this movie to the Dana Buckler show. And he was looking for a couple of kind of, or some new co-hosts. And I actually, because I'd never been involved in podcasting, I didn't have much of a big web presence. I mean, I was on Twitter, but I had like, I don't know, 15 friends. Um, I wasn't even going to put out for it, but I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to kick myself if I don't. So I emailed Dana and he got right back to me and we chatted and he and uh, I got along great, and obviously he and the other co-host, Ashley, got along great, and he invited us both on to join the show. So I've literally been in podcasting since about November of last year. Okay, because it's one of the things that is awesome about it. It's, you are such a gem, and I'm so glad that you're introduced to the podcast community now in the podcast world, because you have this amazing talent for just your knowledge of movies and every time i listen to a 20th century movie club episode or even your um you're the people versus or your avengers like every time you talk about movies i'm in utter awe like i think i know a, a relative amount about movies and then i listen to you i'm like oh god i i don't know as nearly as much as i thought but that's good because i'm learning and and i'm hearing about films that i never would have been exposed to so i am so glad that you are now a part of the podcasting community the 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 movie film podcasting community cuz you know we all got to stick together the film the film community is so niche as it is, but it's it's great that 
you're you're finally a part of it and, and making moves. Because I was genuinely surprised that you were new to f- uh, podcasting when you came to the scene because just your sheer amount of knowledge and just the, being comfortable on Mike and your interactions with Dana. It, it was It's surprising that you haven't been on pod, like podcasts before. I appreciate that, man. First of all, keep in mind, I'm also 20 years older than you. Hmm. So when you're my age, you're going to have the same amount of knowledge. That, like The amount of movie knowledge that you have for your age is mind-blowing. It's why I love your podcast. I love listening to you and Brian and all the guests you have on. Um, and I, I really appreciate that. You know, I, I wish I could say it was something special. I, I talk for a living. So putting a mic in front of me wasn't that unusual, but I really appreciate uh, all those kind words, man. And I definitely appreciate you uh, listening to the show and and supporting it. But with that being said, we can transition into what we're here to talk about today, the What Am I Missing segment. It's still relatively new, but I I still love doing this. And and, and throughout the month, I I love accumulating different things and kind of selecting what I'm going to pick about this week. So... Uh, I'm super glad, and and you were uh, you you've been a uh, been supporting this segment from the beginning. I mean, I only only have like two episodes or so, but you've always been retweeting them, commenting on them, and I and I very much appreciate that. So I think it's appropriate that you come on for for this week. So Mike, why don't you start off with your first pick of what am I missing? So for my first pick, and for those that we have crossover that have listened to the 20th Century Movie Club, I kind of have a bit of a brand, and uh, <laughs> I I. I I've been pretty upfront. I'm a big action movie guy. I'm a big martial arts movie guy. And the only thing that occasionally gets frustrating about the 20th century movie club is by definition, we are limiting it to movies that were before the year 2000, which is great. It gives us a chance to talk about stuff, but there are some things that have come out since the year 2000 that I really want to talk about. So I love that I get a chance to talk about this. I want to talk about, an actor, a martial arts actor in particular, and then specifically one movie of his that's recent, which is a guy by the name of Scott Adkins. For those who don't know, Scott Adkins is an English martial artist, and I like to call him the human special effect. Because this guy, it's like the rules of gravity do not apply to this dude. The way he is able to use martial arts and gymnastics and really just create some amazing fight choreography is a sight to behold. And one of his best movies uh, in his entire career just came out a couple of months ago. It's a, it's a movie uh, directed by a former stunt choreographer named Jesse B. Johnson. And the name of the movie is Avengement. It's readily available on all streaming services. The plot of Avengement is basically this. Scott Adkins plays a, a man who is sent to prison because he's trying to do a, a job for his older brother who's a big time gangster. It goes wrong. He gets sent to prison and while in prison, he has to harden himself, become much tougher when he gets out. And I, I don't want to get too much into spoilers, but when he gets out, he decides to take his revenge for the situation. And it is some of the most kick-ass action that you will see this year. I know we got John Wick Chapter 3 this year, and that's the high point, but Avengement is just below it. It is a thoroughly entertaining and enjoyable movie, and Scott Adkins is really the best action star we have going right now. Um, I know, Mike, you, you've at least seen some of this stuff, so, so 
I know you saw Avengement. What did you think? So before, when we were talking, we, we did uh, you know throw some of the titles that we're going to be recommending to each other out. And when you said Avengement, uh, I have to admit, I was a little skeptical because I feel like these action movies in today's day and age, they can either... I mean, there's obviously the middle, but from my experience, they're either on one end of the spectrum, really kick-ass and a lot of fun, or they're wannabes that are trying to copy uh, just kung or just action films of the past, and unsuccessfully so. So I was a little trepidatious going into it, but I but if you have to if you're recommending it, I was like, okay, he's got to give it his fair shot, and I uh, rented it on Amazon Prime, and I got to say, I was into this movie. Right from the get-go, you say uh, the director was a is um, an old uh, stunt choreographer, and that makes total sense watching the movie. The one thing that I kept, I had so much fun with the movie, and I I kept not like not laughing at the violence, but just like and just like badassery, smiling, laughing when you just see something so awesome. Like whenever you watch like a John Wick film and something awesome, and he just does something like he's just like whipping out guns and killing people left and right, you start laughing. You're like, this is awesome. And I was having a lot of moments watching this film. Uh, one thing that really stood out to me was the the violence in that it wasn't it, it was stylized, but it was <clears throat> I don't want to say realistic. Because obviously, like, you know, like, people are getting smacked in the head with pipes and stuff, and they're, like, still fighting like it's no one's business, but they're still, they're, they're bleeding, they're spitting out blood, they're losing teeth, like, it's so visceral in its depiction of violence while still being in that fantasy of, like, this is an action film, but I, I really did like just how, I mean, it sounds weird, but just, like, that, that attention... Uh, I mean, and I can nitpick. There were a few moments where I thought the, the camera placement for the action, like, it could, you could tell that they were that they were faking some of it, but that's, like, nitpicking to, the to like, the nth degree. Like, the, I had so much fun with this movie, though. And Scott Atkins, I, I had no idea, like, uh, maybe, like, a week ago, I had no idea who this guy was. And I'm really excited to actually be checking out more of his work because, yeah, like you said, he's just being thrown across the room. He's, like, in it. You can tell he's getting hit with some of these props. Like, he's just really being a trooper, and he just really cares for his stunt work, and I, another thing I liked with the with the fight choreography was it wasn't, th there were kicks thrown in there, like, this is gonna sound really weird, like, there were kicks thrown, but there was, like, a very sparse amount of kicks, like, they were appropriate, like, this wasn't, like, Bruce Lee just throwing kicks and roundhouse kicks left and right, like, it just felt right, I, th I thought every, the action was just, just perfect in here and he's also i think he was a, like he's not even just being an act action star like he really played this role really well and i was surprised by at some of the casting choices in here the one that i recognize by voice forget the i forget the actor's name but he plays uh gaz and ghost in the call of duty franchise and i was like i know that voice somewhere and then i see him here and i thought he was like the casting was appropriate for everyone here so i really enjoyed this film yeah, Craig Fairbrass is, yep, that's is his name. Um, and that's actually, so the a couple things to say. So the realistic sort of violence that you're talking about, and again, I, I like how you said it. It's it's not realistic, but it's realistic. And the, people are bleeding. That's kind of a Jesse V. Johnson hallmark. He, all of his movies, and he's made, I think this is the fifth movie that he's made with Scott Adkins. So they're kind of the Scorsese De Niro of the direct to video action market. And they're all very much that very hardcore violence and blood. And uh, like you said, 
this is uh, for people that know Scott Adkins movies, you know, they will know that Avengement's a little bit different because it is, there's not those high flying kicks and stuff like that. But one of the things I do want to say is in some of Adkins other movies, he does do those and he does them better than just about anybody hmm. that you will ever see. Um, the guy is, like I said, gravity doesn't apply to him. Um, one of the things I really liked about this one too, is for people who don't know if you're Googling him, Scott Adkins is a very, very attractive man. In this movie, he really makes himself uh, not attractive for yeah. the purposes of this movie. And he is, he starts out, when he starts out before he goes to prison, he looks like Scott Adkins. He's got the, the dreamy hair and the square jaw and then everything that happens while he's in prison. I really liked the movie committed to showing how this time in prison took a physical toll on him. Um, and it, it really made him into the person that we see by the end of the movie. So I love that you liked it. I really encourage you to watch more Scott Atkins movies. One thing I will say, the guy works more than just about any actor working. He, I think he's got five or six movies coming out this year alone. If you're working that much, not all of them are winners. Hmm. So Mike, you know, shoot me a text or reach out to me on Twitter. If you want to know the good ones to watch. And this goes for all the listeners too. If you want to know the good ones to watch, reach out to me. I will steer you to the good ones and away from some of the ones that are maybe not so great. Uh, because like you mentioned, some of the action, there's a few things that you noticed. And that's because these movies are made honestly for about a buck and a half. I mean, they have no budget. Uh, it, it, they would, kill for the budget of a John Wick movie and the John Wick movies are low budget movies. So, you know, they're not all great, but Scott Adkins is always great in them, regardless of how bad. Yeah. And I'm definitely going to be hitting you up for those, for, for the, the quote unquote good ones of his. He, and he, he kind of reminds me of like a mix between like Van Damme, Jason Statham, and like John Burenthal. Like it's, it's just that he, he plays all of those characters, at least in this film. And, and he kind of actually looks like John Burenthal, in my opinion. But, and, and for anyone that needs that, for, that, that tiny extra push to rent this movie or just seek out this movie, I was getting a lot of different uh, inspirations from this film. I f at first I thought this was going to be like a crank like film with Statham and that but not maybe not so much as wild in its style but just this like balls of the wall action film but I I, I it, it kind of is more than that and and I and I mean a little bit of John Wick is, is sprinkled in there but I I I just think that if if you want like a more serious crank that I think that's that's like the best way I can describe it. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, that's a perfectly reasonable assessment. It's a, it's a good hardcore crime drama with all sorts of kick-ass fight scenes in it. Yeah, exactly. And and I it, it was one of those movies when it ended, I was like, you know, I I think I'm definitely gonna buy it on uh, possibly Blu-ray, but definitely add this to my growing film collection because this is something that I definitely want to come back to, and. It's and it's worth it is is worth full price. It's like this is definitely like a full ticket admission film that I think pretty much any action film like your collection would be 
would be lacking if this film wasn't in there. So I think this is a great first choice, Mike. I, I really we're, we're we're hitting the ground running. This was a really strong uh, first choice. Thanks. I appreciate that, man. All right. Awesome. So moving into my first pick. So. The, I've been getting into really a lot of music videos lately, and and it really ex- experimenting with music. I I instituted the new uh, the new segment of music videos, which I haven't done in in June, just but just you know finishing the semester of school. Uh, I I have some in the bag, and I've been I've been watching a lot of music videos and exploring with uh, with a lot of new music tastes. But the last two episodes of What Am I Missing? I've always started out with a music video, and I think that's I'm going to keep that trend going because I think it's like I said each time it's 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 definitely a really underappreciated medium, and, and 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 it's it's funny because you know music videos are still coming out. Actually, Paul Thomas Anderson just released, I think yesterday, on Netflix a new music video that he I don't think it he would done it he had done it with Radiohead. I don't know if it was a Radiohead song. I just saw Paul Thomas Anderson and, and Radiohead, so I just uh, queued it up. But you know they're still being made. But this so this this first one that I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna recommend. So first, Mike, I, I have to apologize for for this uh, for this list for this episode. I, I was sending you a list, and then I was changing orders and changing stuff. So this music video, I originally had another one that I'll I'll probably recommend next. What am I missing? And do a focused uh, episode on it. But I switched it to a, a very popular Greek, or at least in my mind, a very popular and poignant Green Day song from their album American Idiot, and that is Jesus of Suburbia. I think that this is this can have a lot of great conversation because of the of Green Day, the album American Idiot, the song in itself, and then the music video. So my first pick is Jesus of Suburbia from Green Day. Now I, I'm trying to figure out how to the formulate this without going too much into a tangent because I think Green Day is just such an important band in modern uh, punk in the, in the punk movement of music, and American Idiot is very important to their career as well as I think, especially in what the what America was going on at, in early two th- or late two thousand four, which is what this uh, this album was in response to with the Iraq War, the Bush administration, and 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 that's why I think Jesus of Suburbia, if anything from this whole album, I think it really encapsulates this this story of of what they're trying to get at. So American Idiot is this rock opera essentially that is spanning this whole character of um I, I guess this character of Jesus of Suburbia and you know trans in his life of going of starting out as this punk rocker and then slowly growing up kind of I t- I t- I interpret this as uh kind of like a clockwork orange character like Alex DeLarge where he starts off as this very violent angsty youth and then the progression of the character at least in in the novel of Clockwork Orange he progresses into this matured adult that has learned from his experiences but i think Jesus of Suburbia is that really great starting moment that kicks this this journey into gear yeah i i i love this song i love the video i'm glad you recommended it um you know american idiot was such a a huge album when it came out because um we had Green Day had kind of, they had fallen off the map, right? Mm-hmm. And even the band had broken up and stuff like that. And then they kind of got this idea and this spark. And then they came out with this album that was just like, most bands would kill to make an album like this. And I think this is probably the best song 
on that album. And, and the, the music video is great because it's clearly telling the story and it's clearly part of a lot of the other videos that they created for it. But we, what we have here is a nine minute punk rock suite, which is just such an amazing thing to pull off and not have it just be unlistenable. Like not only is it listenable, it's incredible. So I love this recommendation. Um, it, 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 it's, it's my favorite song on that album. And, uh, I, it's the vid- I hadn't ever actually seen the video, so I'm glad you recommended it to me. Cause I think the video is great. It, it tells a story. I mean, the song already tells a story, but then the video tells an even kind of deeper story, uh, throughout. So I, I love this, this recommendation. And I think the range of both the song really complements the range of the video. Cause it just like, it really goes not all over the place, but just there's different styles of, of, of punk being used. And like, it, it goes from the, uh, the seg- like the subsection of like uh, dearly beloved where it's just kind of like this ballad. And it's very, it, I mean, I, I, I really love Billy Joel Armstrong, but just like, everything of that song it's very i don't i mean it's not i don't want to say the word sweet but or, or soothing at all but it's 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 just him really utilizing his voice with just like a nice nice acoustic you know you got the back the the like the back the or the rest of the band you know just doing their ooze and then it just really transitions into this like really spiteful hate like like fuck all of this and it really showcases in the video and i really love how it just encapsulates the punk movement now i've i obviously have not been a a member of this movement i i I don't hang out with people like this but i i think it's really interesting just watching this and that you know they're just transitioning from just sex drugs rock and roll partying just you know fuck establishment we're gonna do our own thing and then at the end of the video you know he this character leaves and begins that that transition but i think this video there's just so many just really poignant images in it as well i mean you got the snorri cam where the camera's facing him and he's just defacing this 7-eleven uh he's just he destroys this the the 7-eleven bathroom and then paired with the the clean up the cleanup of the bathroom with you know that, that representing the establishment kind of yeah, you can make all this mess, and we'll clean it up, and we'll silence you. And then he goes back in that bathroom and just puts that bloody handprint on the wall, and it's like Saint Jimmy, uh, representing that punk, that punk rock side. Obviously, later in the album, we have that that dual personality of what's her name and Saint Jimmy, this kind of uh, angel and demon characters that are that are trying to help guide this character into, I guess, maturity or whichever way he decides to go down. But I, I just really like that this whole all the images of this and, and him just throwing away his family and all of these I guess acquaintances he's they're they're fighting it's just this really it's just they're throwing so much imagery at you but it's telling the story and it's the first chapter of this story that you you know that takes you along for this for throughout the whole album but yeah I, I really enjoyed it and and I de- and this was like I said that last minute change but I think there's just so much to talk about here and I want people to and I'll link it in in the show notes because I really think people need to see this video I agree and again without kind of trying to trying to avoid spoiling the video but the the conversation with his mother that that is not a part of the song it's exclusively to the video but they're their entire conversation and their entire sort of story arc through the video, I think is really, you know, it kind of reminded me a lot of eight mile. If you've seen that, uh, the Eminem movie, you know, it kind of reminded me a lot of their relationship and, 
and it just it it, it it was a it's a great it's a great video it's a great song from you know i know some people will disagree with this but from what i think is a great band um and so i i think it, if you haven't seen this and especially if you haven't listened to the song or listened to american idiot as an album please 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 you know spotify it google play it whatever you need to listen to that album it's a phenomenally well constructed album yeah exactly and i i also i have the vinyl or i, I have the album on vinyl and it, it sounds just as awesome on that vinyl but yeah i and i yeah green day it's it, another polarizing band i used to get shit from it when i was in school where like oh yeah i'm like listening to green day it's like especially american idiot and i get guys that would scoff and just be oh green day I'm like no 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 they're they actually especially this particular album they have a lot that they want to say but you know i i i think that everyone should watch this this music video and even look into the album the band the messages that they're trying to get across cuz i think they they this is the album that they have i think the most to say in my opinion so i think that this is definitely something that everyone should check out and and you are missing out if if you're not watching this yet yeah 100% agreed so with that uh mike would you like to give us your second recommendation since we close up that one Sure. So if I told you, Mike, or I told the listeners that there was a TV show that starred Black Panther and Creed's Michael B. Jordan, Game of Thrones' Maisie Williams, uh, Dakota Fanning, and Doctor Who's David Tennant, and nobody watched it, <laughs> what would you say? What I'm recommending for my second one is an American animated uh, sci-fi action show called Genlock. It's from Rooster Teeth. For those who don't know, Rooster Teeth is an animation company based out of Texas that uh, primarily does web videos. They did a, uh, a series based on Halo called Red vs. Blue. They've got another anime-inspired series called Roby, um, and this is their, their big one. So for those who don't know, Michael B. Jordan, in addition to being a great actor, <laughs> is a huge fucking nerd, and yep. he loves anime. And so he is actually the producer of this. He's the one that sort of helped get this show going. And what it really is is it's a true American anime. It's a, it's a giant robot mech show starring American and uh, with Maisie Williams and stuff, international actors, but it's based by, you know, created by an American studio. And it's exactly what you want out of a mech animated show. Um, it's, it takes place in a sort of an alternate universe, alternate future where uh, the United States is sort of broken up into two groups. One of which is sort of the, the, freedom fighters, uh, the, the people that we would consider to be the U.S., and then the other is uh, this invading force that uses these nano machines to invade everything. And the way that the vanguard, the, the good guys, decide to counter that is by creating a system of giant robots that people download their brains into. I don't want to get into much more. Michael B. Jordan plays the main character. Uh, David Tennant plays the doctor that invented all of this. And he's in full Doctor Who mode. <laughs> like, if you did not even know he was in it and you listened to him, you'd be like, oh, shit, that's clearly David Tennant. 
but it's eight episodes and it is just a lot of fun and a show that I think deserved a lot more attention. I, I didn't see any talk about it on my Twitter feed when it came out. I tried to retweet some stuff and talk about it and I got next to no engagement on it. So I really hope that people listening to this will check it out. Uh, Mike, I'm guessing you didn't see this, but did you at least do a little bit of digging into it when I recommended it? Yeah. I, so I have not, I haven't watched it. Anime is a very interesting subject uh, because a lot of my friends really dig anime and it's not that, I don't like anime. I just don't think I found the right one to get me into it. Uh, I've, I mean, I've seen like Ghost in the Shell. I've, I've seen a little bit of like Cowboy Bebop, and it, those were incredible. Obviously, like classics, and I think that's where people should start. But I did also try watching uh, what is it, Devilman Crybaby, and that was a little intense on Netflix. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I watched the first episode. I was like, all right, I, I, I might have to come back to this one later. Um, but I had heard about this because I I have well I was once a huge Rooster Teeth fan way like way back in high school and then most of college I loved their their podcast I was an avid podcast listener and it's kind of how I got into their Let's Play commu- or their Let's Play channel and their Rooster Teeth channel I've seen a lot of their live action uh, series of their shorts I, I've obviously seen uh, most of Red vs Blue. I think it's still on Netflix. So if anyone, that's another. That's a bonus. What am I missing? But um, and but I was mostly familiar with their gaming stuff, like uh, like the Let's Plays and you know like Ten Little Roosters and and their their shorts like that and their yeah their other short films. Uh, also Laser Team. I've seen that. Was a fan of the first one. Haven't seen the second one, but I don't think I'll like the second one as much. But I I but they were talking about this on their podcast like way way back i've kind of fallen out of the podcast as well but i remember thinking wow that's awesome and and i think it's even better because the story of rooster teeth you know starting off is in this little like in their creators living rooms just recording dialogue for halo recording it with like or screen capturing like way way back now producing these massive six like really successful anime series and sh- and short series with like really cutting like state of the art technology i i did watch the trailer and a little bit of the first episode cuz i th- i think it was available that they released that first episode and i was very much impressed with the show from what i had seen the voice acting the animation and it and it just gave me like a little warm feeling to see the success of rooster teeth growing up i think why it's not being talked about and this is just kind of my own personal theory as i feel like rooster teeth outside of their community it's not that they're well respected but they might be kind of disregarded as the oh they're not a serious they're web they're youtube producers they can't make anything serious and then they just get written off because of that because of their com their their roots based in comedy and i think that that's really unfair and because they have made some very very good serious stuff so that's kind of my theory why people might not be talking about this and i think it's good that we're talking about it here because it need that word needs to be needs to be heard and spread i agree i i've been a big rooster teeth fan for years much like you you know i first got into them with red versus blue and uh and they've really you know they are just they i mean we keep talking about we want 
like independent companies and groups and creators coming up and like there's nobody more independent than rooster teeth like they did this all on their own and uh i'm glad you at least like watched the trailer and yeah for those who don't know the first episode is both available on roosterteeth.com and youtube for free to watch the rest of the series you have to uh subscribe to rooster teeth uh first which is it's only two ninety nine a month. You could get one month and watch the entire series because there's only eight episodes. But there's a lot more on Rooster Teeth that's worth it. But the way their animation quality has increased over the years is just staggering because this series is beautiful. It is so well animated and so well done. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, it's a pretty standard story the plot is not going to blow your mind um but that's okay sometimes what you want is maybe a plot that doesn't blow your mind but that not mind-blowing plot done as well as it can possibly be done and that's what i think genlock does it's a giant mech anime series like it's not going to blow anybody's mind we've seen a bunch of them if you like anime at all and i i'm with you mike i'm not like a di- I'm not an otaku by any means. I have a handful of series that I enjoy, um, but I'm certainly not an anime expert. But I I check this one out because I love Michael B. Jordan. I love Black Panther. I fucking love him in Creed. He is so good in the Creed movies, um, and uh, you know, and Fruitville Station. And I think he's just one of our most exciting actors that we have currently working so of course when i saw he was doing an anime series i'm like i gotta check this shit out and then when i found out i had david tennant i'm like i loved it i i i actually didn't know anything going into it so the fact that it kind of turns into a giant robot show you know they hold that back for most of the first episode so i was really super happy when i discovered that um so i just think this is it's eight episodes they're a half an hour each you can get through the entire series in an afternoon. I really do think more people need to check it out because I personally want a second season and I personally want Rooster Teeth to succeed. I want them to continue to be, have the same level of success that they've had for the last decade. Um, so hopefully people listening will at least check it out. Yeah. And I think the, like, the last thing I'll say about Rooster Teeth is I think that they're, you can tell that they're nerds at heart. And I mean that in the best way possible, because like you, we're nerds at heart, and we and we t- and we wear that with pride. And I, but I think that their 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 weakest part might be their their storytelling, or not so much the storytelling, just their their stories that they write, because there a lot of them I feel are very basic. They're not trying to, or not that they're not trying to, but I just think that they come out very. Like I said, basic and not cookie cutter, but it's it's very predictable. But where they make up with that is the production design and just the sheer amount of determination and love for the craft. I think that's what really just shines above all else. The stories might be lacking in some areas, that, and that's especially present present in uh, in in their films, their laser team, the laser team. Although I really did enjoy the first one and in their short series on their YouTube channel, but they definitely make up for their production design and just the sheer love of the craft that they that they bring to it. But uh, yeah, that's so that's uh, 
those those are my closing thoughts. Do you have any more closing thoughts, or are we all finished up with? No, with I think I think you I think you hit it perfectly on the head. Like like Genlock is not gonna blow you away with its storytelling depth, but the quality of the animation, the voice acting, you know, the technical aspects. Rooster Teeth is so technically sound in what they do, and the passion that they bring to the table. So I. I I agree completely with what you said. I don't want to mislead people. You're not going to be blown away by the story on this series. But I think the the love of the genre and the technical skill that they bring to it more than offsets the any weaknesses in the narrative that it may have. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and I, again, I think this is an awesome pick and I think this is definitely a series that people should check out. I'm for one I'm going to try and check this out in any way that I can. I I forgot that the that the uh, Rooster Teeth uh, first membership is only like three bucks, so maybe I can give, I can throw some, uh, I can, th- I can throw a membership for a month and we'll check it out. But with that being said, I'll transition to my second pick. So I have a, I guess I, know, I have a YouTube channel that I'm recommending, and the the channel, the name of the channel is Spooky Rice, but the segment that I'm going to be talking about that this guy produces is called Disturbing Breakdown. So what Disturbing Breakdown is is this guy sits down, watches... Essentially, he just watches these really fucked up movies so we don't have to, and he gives his commentary. Like, he plays clips throughout. It's like a clip show. He, he plays it throughout, giving a very basic, like, uh, like Cliff Notes ver- uh, plot description of everything, and, and he has, this, has the clips, and he, and he censors them, so, I mean, it can get through the, the YouTube, but it's also, he doesn't want that stuff on his on his channel and he goes right into it saying you know i'm giving you a warning like especially in the really like messed up stuff he's like we got some fucked up shit so just so you know like you don't have to watch the video but if and i think he says oh but if you want to know the plot stick around for the breakdown and he has so many films that i will never see and some of them i will but so i just listed a few so his most recent one was henry portrait of a serial killer i uh, spit on your grave he has the whole human centipede's uh, uh, I guess saga, uh, a Serbian film, which is something that I will never watch in my life. And after watching his breakdown, I, it's reaffirmed. I will never watch this movie. Uh, funny games. We need to talk about Kevin, uh, Ken Park, all of these films. He, like I said, he watches them. So you don't have to, it kind of reminds me of wisecracks thug notes in, in that they tell the story accurately, albeit with their own unique personal touches and flair, but you get enough that you can make a determination if you want to watch this film or read the book or skip it. So I, I think this is something that I, if, for, if, if all else, if you, if there's movies that you don't want to watch, this is a great area that you can get the, you can get a really good sense of the plot. I mean, there are, there are spoilers, but I think that's okay. But you also get a sense of the visual flair of, of, and style of the film and what, what the kind of action or what the, what kind of violence might be, be, uh, in the film or anything like, or sexual nature. A lot of these films are, are really, really graphic in their violence and, and, and the sexual tones. But, uh, yeah, so I think this is just something good that, if all else, just watch movies vicariously. Yeah, so I was not familiar with this YouTube channel until you mentioned that you were going to recommend it. And um, I kind of wish I had known you, like, 10 years ago before I watched 
all the movies that he covers because he would have saved me a lot of psychological trauma <laughs> <laughs> to watch this channel. I've seen most of the movies that he covers, and I will tell you that Spooky Rice is doing the world a great service by watching these so you don't have to, like he said. Um, first of all, he's got a very, uh, I, a very welcoming and an entertaining demeanor uh as far as how he talks about these movies um and he does you know having seen almost all the movies he's talking about he doesn't leave stuff out he he you can feel like you've seen everything you need to see from the movies after watching these. Now, if you're like me and you're a gore hound and you like to be challenged by movies, you may still want to watch them, but what is great is overview so you can decide if it's one that you want to watch. So for instance, one of the ones I watched was for a movie that I hadn't seen called The Bunny Game. And after watching his, his video on it, I was like, you know what? I'm good. I don't need to see this one. I'm good. I, I, I can skip The Bunny Game. I've heard about The Bunny Game. People have talked to me about The Bunny Game. I don't need to see The Bunny Game. Um, I really appreciated one of the most absolutely psychologically distressing movies I've ever seen in my life is a short film called cutting moments. And he did a video on that one. And I cannot in good conscience recommend that people watch cutting moments, even though it's actually brilliant. It's really, really good, but it is, uh, I've seen it literally once in my life and I could rewatch it or watching his video. I'm like, yep. I remember every second of this, uh, of this short film, that's the kind of, so I, he's really doing a great service. I'm so glad you recommended this because I had no idea this channel existed. Um, and I'm so happy that I now know that it exists because, or, you know, my, we're always talking about movies like this that he covers. And I always think, oh, I want to see that, but do I? And now <laughs> with, if, if Spooky Rice covers them, it's like, oh, I can make up my own mind with having enough information to know whether it's a movie that I want to continue on and watch or not. So I love this channel. I'm so glad you're I subscribed. You, you sent me, you know, that you were going to recommend this. I checked out like one video and immediately click subscribe. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's a very good transition because that's all I had to say about this channel because you mentioned that you watched one video and you hit and you hit subscribe and that can transition into your neck into your third pick because it's another YouTube channel as well. Yep, we're nerds. <laughs> we like nerdy shit. We are not nearly as nerdy as this dude Brian Thompson. Not to be confused with the actor Brian Thompson from Cobra, but Brian turned his entire basement into a Star Wars themed basement. And then he decided he didn't like the way he did it, and so he was <laughs> going to do it again and created a YouTube channel. It's called The Smuggler's Room. And Brian puts up a video where he talks about how he is doing these DIY projects to turn his basement into a Star Wars-themed basement. And the projects that this guy is doing are insane. Uh, look, we can all like, oh, I have a Star Wars themed basement. I hung up a lightsaber. No, this guy <laughs> created a Sarlacc pit themed cornhole board, like complete <laughs> with like teeth and tendrils. Like 
he, it, what he does is amazing and what he's doing is amazing. And every week he's chronicling different projects and different stuff. And it's, he's not just doing it to show off. He's doing it to show people how to do it. They're all DIY tutorials. If you want to do this yourself, and it's not saying that like you have to turn your entire basement into a Star Wars themed basement, but maybe you want to, uh, you know, maybe make just like a little display stand for some Star Wars figures. He's got a video on doing that. He's got a, uh, a moisture evaporator margarita machine that he made, <laughs> which is just so cool. Uh, so it's just a lot of fun to see how he puts all this stuff together. And it's a relatively new channel. He's only got about 2,000, 2,500 subscribers. And so one of the reasons I want to talk about it and kind of recommend it is I, I think it's kind of, sad it's unconscionable that he doesn't have a hundred thousand subscribers because this channel is really cool and the quality of his videos is really professional when i see a channel that only has 2500 subscribers i'm expecting an iphone and shot in the up and down aspect ratio no these are really really professional videos they're professionally edited they're professionally shot um and so he's he's doing good quality stuff uh, so if you are a nerd and you like Star Wars, or even you could take the principles that he does and adapt them to Lord of the Rings or Marvel or whatever your particular nerdy thing is and create your own space with this stuff that he does. So I just think it's a lot of fun. And I think it's a, you know, it's what, it's the good side of being a nerd. We talk a lot about kind of the negative side of fandom lately with, the last Jedi and stuff like that. This is the good side of fandom. This is what fandom at its best is all about. Did you check this channel out, Mike? Oh yeah, of course. Like I mentioned, I, um, I, I watched one video. I watched the, uh, his newest, I think it was one of his, either the newest one that he uploaded a few, uh, maybe a week ago. And it was building sci-fi stuff out of quote unquote trash and and it was just, I mean I don't have any of that material but it was just fascinating watching watching him make this stuff and like you said his the quality is spectacular like you said for someone with 2500 subscribers and I was like wow this guy needs more uh it, it reminded me of or he reminds me of Adam Savage and and Adam builds the Adam build series and you know Adam Savage I know you're listening you should check this guy out but uh um he i yeah it, and i just love his he just embraces that nerd culture i i watched the han solo blaster as well and and they're multiple parts and they're not like 2 hours long i think they're like 15 minutes each it's a great summer like summarizing everything but giving you enough information that you can do it if you have the material and but with the han solo blaster I really love the detail of like you know, the, describing the history and the lore behind that specific type of blaster and mixing that with oh this this has been really adapted by you know scavengers and raiders and he it's and it's intercut with him at Comic Con with fans and really in depth cosplays I just really it, it's just really personable and you could just tell that he doesn't care about how many subscribers he has he doesn't care if he if his patreon has a lot of influx he just cares about the interaction with the community and who's and that people are entertained and learning from his videos and that i think this guy represents the beauty of youtube and 
and the communities that you can be that can build from this. Just these DIY. I'm gonna do it myself. Here's the here's the knowledge that I'm giving to you from my experience. Have fun. Have a blast. And I I I really enjoyed this channel. I really hope people go check this out. As always, in the show notes, I'm gonna link all of these or as much as I can at least. And I think everyone should definitely go check this guy out, especially the builders that are listening. Yeah, if you're a builder at all or a maker at all, like you need to check this channel out because he's in addition to the quality of his videos, his skill and his technique, you know, I I started getting into sort of woodworking and prop replica making a couple of years ago and man this guy blows me away. Like his skill and his technique is is insanely impressive. So, if you're a builder or a maker, or you just love Star's channel. This guy deserves so many more subscribers than what he's got. Yeah, exactly. I, I completely agree. So, and like he's gonna th- those that he's gonna be right in the show notes. So easy accessibility. So with that, I can transition into uh, my third uh, recommendation for this week. So this was another spot I mentioned earlier. I was I was doing some cha- last minute audibles, and this I think I changed maybe like thirty minutes before we started recording, and. The film that I that I picked, this is also they're both on Netflix, so maybe next week I'll be able to talk about the one that I switched out. But this this week, especially with you, I I I, I thought that this would be more of a fun discussion, and, and this would be more up your alley than the than the last film. And so the film is Train to Busan, came out in 2016, and it is a South Korean uh, zombie film, and the way. I, I guess I was try I, I was pitching this to friends is that it's it's like snakes on a plane but better and with fast zombies and it's amazing like this film blew me away when it came out because my my Brian had seen it and he said dude you gotta check this movie out like drop what you're doing you gotta watch this movie and I did and I and I was watching it in my college dorm my college apartment and I remember just being like Oh my god! And I think I immediately bought the movie on DVD because th- because I needed to show as many people as I could with or without Netflix. This film was, I mean, it was fun, but it really reamped the. I feel like every so often, every however many years, or maybe every decade, there is one defining zombie movie, whether it be slow or fast, and and I think. That this is for from for this decade from the 2010 to 2019, Train to Busan is that zombie movie that it just defines it and, and does something different. I mean, the decade before, I think it was more 28 Days Later. Like they 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 reamped it in a different way because everyone was getting tired of the slow zombie or the slow quote unquote zombies that you know were eating your brain. Now, 28 Days Later added something completely different. It's more virus spread. It's it people are still human, blah blah blah. blah. They're not necessarily dead. And then we transition into Train to Busan where it's still like an outbreak like I don't want to say it's virus but you know but it takes it to the end like the next degree like 28 days later was very terrifying but this makes it claustrophobic and just takes it takes the zombie level to 11 with the with the hordes and just the intensity and just the way it was shot the cinematography this film is 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 just uh, especially Korean cinema it's at its best it, it oh it reminds me like the other film popped in my head reminded me of snakes on a train or snakes on a train snakes on a plane with um snow piercer it's just 
everything great about those two movies is in this one. So, Mike, have you seen uh, Train to Busan? And if so, what, what did you think about it? Oh, yeah, of course I've seen Train to Busan. Um, <laughs> I love it. It's, it's amazing. So uh, this actually ties into an episode, and I don't know when they'll sync up, but we just recorded an episode of the 20th Century Movie Club where we were talking about zombies. And so if you're not listening to the show, please listen. But uh, <laughs> I am so sick of zombie movies. I'm done with them. I'm tired of them except for Train to Busan because Train to Busan managed to bring something new to the table. And, and like you said, Mike, it's the, first of all, it's the claustrophobia of the, the train setting. And again, I don't want to get into spoilers, but them trying to get off at different stops and finding out the stops have been overtaken by zombies. So they got to get back on the train, but then also just this, this relationship between this, sort of asshole absent father and his daughter such a heart uh, to the movie and, and such a moving the, the character development and and arcs in this movie are are while a bit predictable are also so well done and the acting is so goddamn good that that it just it, it really blew past all my hesitancies with watching yet another zombie movie it, it this is like you said you you mentioned you know 28 days later change stuff i think Zack snyder's dawn of the dead change stuff and then we just got a bunch of the same zombie movies over and over and this is a again another game changer and i don't even know that it's necessarily a game changer as much as it's just a like if you can't step to this level stop making zombie movies <laughs> because, because they have shown you, you know, uh, Yon Sang Ho, and I'm probably mispronouncing his name, but Yon Su Suk, the director and writer, they've shown you, if you're going to make a zombie movie in the 2010s, this is the level to which you have to bring your A game. Otherwise I don't give a shit. I'm done with it. I'm bored with you, but they brought their A game and this movie is so good. Um, it's, it's not just scary. It's moving and emotional and heartbreaking in places. Like I, this is such a good recommendation. <laughs> I, I, I know what your other one was. And I think that's all texted me and said, you were switching up for this. Yeah, I wish you could have seen the smile on my face because <laughs> this is such a good recommendation. It's such a good movie. Yeah. And, and one of the things like, I mean, like you said, the emotional twists and turns that, that come with this. And I think it's also like this movie, it's, it's the, I think the arcs are predictable, but it also goes into like, no one is safe in this movie. Uh, maybe one or two characters are safe, but you know, like shit hits the fan in this movie. Like I remember going in and I thought a specific character was like, okay, this is going to be like, this character is going to be fine. And then they immediately get fucked up by these zombies. And, and, and so I really liked that, you know, any, this is like the like Game of Thrones, like any, well, early Game of Thrones, anyone can die. You don't know when it's going to happen. Like some people, it's a little predictable, but you know, some people, oh my God, even how, and, and then just going in the, the interactions with all the characters, like, I really like the paranoia idea of like, Oh, this person's infected. We, we no, we can't have him in here. And then the back and forth between the different types of people. And then 
you know, karma exists in this in, in this movie. I don't want to say too much when that karma exists, but there is a moment when a lot of people regret a specific decision and and it, you know, literally bites them in the ass. I also liked that the the claustrophobia of the film because they're just these really narrow like bullet trains and there's a point when a character or characters are in car, I don't know, five, and the main characters are in car, the like, 12, and they have to move through, and then the cars in between are filled with zombies, and you're like, well, how, you can't go up, you can't go around, you have to go through, how are you going to do this? And the, the creativity that these characters come up with, also paired with dumb fucking luck <laughs> is amazing and, and also just really great. And I also really like the cinematography because there are some camera angles that I love. When I think the, my favorite shot or my fi- well of the film, but also I think just that's really when used in cinema is awesome is the Snorri cam shot. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware of what the Snorri cam is, it's a camera um, setup where it's fixed in front of the actor or a, the yeah the actor and it's and and it, and it but it's and it's right in front of them and they're walking and they can be moving they be they can be running Darren Aronofsky really utilized this to its truest potential in Requiem for a Dream but it has this really disorienting feature where whatever the focus of the camera is isn't moving. So it could be on someone's head, it could be on someone's chest, and everything around them is going. They could be sprinting, running, crawling, whatever, but that camera is fixed. And there is a shot in this film where there a zombie has a snorri cam, and also the makeup effects are are terrifyingly amazing. And this this this, uh, this particular zombie is running from one end of the train to the other, and... And George, and George Romero, I mean, rest his soul, but he could have learned a lot from some from some of the zombies in this film. How they move, it just, it, it just, I said uh, David Amedge in, uh, in Dawn of the Dead looked like a puppet. These people move, and they had to get mimes or something. These people move in un, uncanny, unsettling images, or um, ways. So I, I... So all this paired, this film is amazing. I I can't recommend this film enough. And that was my long-winded way of trying to put all the factors and pieces together. Yeah, I, I agree. And and the thing I think it really does that a lot of zombie movies miss, and I might make some listeners a little bit upset with this, but it's the problem I have with The Walking Dead, which is I don't give a shit about any of those people. I kind of hope the zombies eat all of them. Here, I really, and in in like 10, 15 minutes of the start of this movie, I cared about these characters. I wanted so, like you said, there, karma applies. And, and there's obviously in any zombie movie, there's going to be characters that are bad and you want to get eaten. But the main characters, there's so many characters in this that we want to survive. We, we care about. And they do such a good job of that with such a shorthand, you know, for such a, I mean, the movie's not short. It's, it's two full hours, but it's so efficient in its characterization. And then, yeah, like you said, the way the zombies move and the way they're shot, like this is easily the best zombie movie I've seen since, since the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Like uh, there's, there's just, this is a amazing zombie movie. Yeah, exactly. Have you a prequel Soul Station? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's another one that that came up on the recommendations when I was 
uh, at least on like the IMDb recommendation. So that's another one that I'm gonna check out. But yeah, I I love this film. This is easily one of I think this bold statement one of the greatest zombie films at least top 10 ever made so yeah i i love this movie and i can't recommend it enough so with that mike would you like i think it's your last recommendation i believe that's correct all right so my last recommendation is a relatively recent one i actually just discovered this a couple of weeks ago and it was it's perfect symmetry one of my best friends recommended it a couple of podcasts i listened to recommended it and so i decided to check it out and Oh my God, do I love this TV series. It's a, it's a Canadian TV series that is, uh, Hulu has the exclusive rights in the US too, so it's streaming on Hulu. It's called Letter Kenny. It is one of the funniest shows I have ever seen in my life. Letter Kenny is about a small town in northern Canada called Letter Kenny, where there's basically four groups. There's the Hicks, the Skids, <laughs> the the christians and the hockey players and it's just <laughs> about their interactions with one another the main character who's also the creator uh he's a canadian actor writer director named jared kiso he plays the main character wayne who's one of the hicks he and his sister katie own this farm uh but it's just about their interactions uh my friend described it in honestly the best way I can describe it, which is Deadwood meets South Park. Oh my God. Because it's, it's got the same sort of verbal delivery that Deadwood (laughs) has that almost Shakespearean iambic pentameter, but with the wit and witticism of South Park. And it's, it's one of the funniest TV shows I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's so good. It's hilarious. Uh, The skids are these, uh, raving goth meth heads and there's constantly scenes of them like dancing to like dubstep but they're all gothed out and they're tweaking it I, I'm not even going to be able to do it justice like just if you're listening please subscribe to Hulu and watch Letter Kenny you won't regret it um, Mike did you did you check out a trailer or anything for this? Yeah, I did and I didn't know what to make of it, but it seemed funny, but now that you describe it like I just started like laughing like or giggling and I'll edit that out, but I that sounds amazing. And what these Canadians with their comedy, like the it it kind of remind it, I I definitely got like uh must be like some style there cuz I was definitely getting vibes of like Nirvana the band the show from Matt Johnson and Man, I gotta go. My girlfriend has Hulu. I gotta go get her information and start watching this stuff. Cause uh, Jay Skipworth, he also was recommending some stuff from Hulu, and I apparently am missing out. It seems like <laughs> on Hulu, but no, this because I, I, uh, I ty- I typed in Leonard Kenny, Kenny, and uh, and I just like trailer season, and I was getting mixed results. Like it seemed like uh, the keyword algorithm was really messing up, but. I think I had seen the right thing from how you describe it, and it was like a minute and a half long, and it, it was more like a teaser. It didn't really give me a great description of the show, but now that you described it, I have to go check this out. That's This seems like so funny, and, and the Deadwood meets South Park seems like a really odd mix-up, but it seems like it's going to work really, really well. Well, and what I can say is if you watch the first episode, you know, normally... Uh, in a lot of TV shows, pilots are kind of one of the weakest episodes. If you watch the first episode on this one and you don't dig the show, just stop watching it. 
because you're not gonna but because the first episode is so perfectly fully formed started as a web series called letter kenny problems and so by the time they got brought on to make a full tv show they had already worked out all the like rough spots and the stuff like that so the first episode is about the most perfectly fully formed first episode of a tv show you will ever see i think you will dig it but if you don't you know stop watching this is for everybody that's listening if you don't like the first episode stop watching because nothing in the show is going to convince you otherwise but i think more than a good portion of you will be laughing your asses off throughout that first episode (laughs) well that's that's a, a pretty awesome recommendation. But I mean, as all of these have been, but I definitely am most intrigued by this one because that sounds hilarious and something extremely different and fresh that I feel like I, I need to have this in my life. So again, another awesome recommendation. Sounds good, man. I hope you check it out. Oh yeah, and I'll definitely hit you up when I do. And so I guess with that being said, we can transition to my final uh, pick of the episode. And it's... It's, uh, it's this, so this film is still in theaters now, still relatively new, very, uh, very, uh, I guess popular amongst critics. Now, don't really know how people are responding to the film. Uh, I, I have seen a few of my friends respond to it, but I haven't seen a lot of, re- a lot of reception to it, at least vocal reception, as opposed to another, it's, it's a biopic, uh, as opposed to another biopic that came out, you know, in the last six to eight months. And so that film is Rocket Man, the Elton John biopic. And throughout this, I am, I, it's nearly impossible not to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody when talking about Rocket Man. And I don't think that's unfair because both of these films are focusing on iconic rock legends who have very flamboyant stage presence, very interesting uh, offstage personas and lives that they lived, interesting upbringings. Also, they struggled with addictions, uh, uh, different personal problems and lives. And But these films handle the biopic in completely different ways. And the way... My, my one... St- line review and I said it on on Twitter when I had seen Rocket Man is that Rocket Man does everything right that Bohemian Rhapsody got wrong and I don't know which I like better I think actually no I do because I had seen this uh yesterday uh, on my during my break uh for a matinee show cuz I just def- desperately wanted to see this again and Rocket Man is the better film it's not, and just because of how it handles the subject matter. So before I go into that, and I, and I haven't done an episode of this yet, I've been still waiting for Brian to come home and, and, and so we can talk together, because he also really enjoyed the movie, and I've been hyped for this movie for a while. But before I get into more of my thoughts on Rocket Man, uh, Mike, have you seen this movie? If not, because uh, I know after Bohemian Rhapsody, a lot of people were pretty trepidatious for another biopic. Uh, especially about Elton John. So if so, what are your Im- impressions of this movie if you've seen it? And if not, why haven't you seen it? So I haven't seen it. Um, and I haven't seen it just because it takes a lot for as many movies as I watch. It takes a lot to get me out to a theater because theaters have these things 
things called people of these things <laughs> called people. So it takes me a while to get out to a theater. I have every intention of seeing this when it comes out on digital or Blu-ray. Um, I am pretty on record. If, if anybody followed us on the Dana Buckler show during our live tweet of the Oscars, I'm pretty on record as uh, despising everything about Bohemian Rhapsody. I know you, because I listened to the episode you did with Dana, and I know you guys both liked it better than I did. That being said, everything I've heard about this, everything I've seen about this, uh, tells me that it addresses and, and assuages is the thing in Rhapsody. Um, and I'm a big Taron Edgerton fan, to be honest with you. I, I think he's a, again, he's an exciting up and coming actor. He, he seems to be saddled with some mediocre movies periodically. I loved the first Kingsman. I hated the second Kingsman. I thought Robin Hood was fine. Um, but I still think he's an interesting and exciting uh, up and coming actor, and and so, and which I tad, tip my hat to. Um, so this is definitely a movie I'm going to see. I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm not even a big Elton John fan, but I'm excited to see this movie. It's just it's not one that basically at this point I pretty much go see Marvel and Star Wars movies in the theater, <laughs> and that's about it. Um, I don't go see much else in the theater, um, but I'm definitely going to see it. I think it's a good recommendation because you did that whole episode on Bohemian Rhapsody. So you're very clearly in a good position to compare the two. And so the fact that you're saying the things that don't work, knowing that you liked Bohemian Rhapsody better than I did, and you're still saying the things that didn't work in Bohemian Rhapsody, this movie does better just makes me want to see this movie. So I'm definitely going to check it out, but I have not seen it as of yet. Okay, and and I mean that's fair, and because I know Dana was also saying he he wasn't quite sure what he was thinking about uh, Rocket Man and, and seeing it in theaters or just seeing it in general. The thing, so we've and and I think it was you who recommended the um, it was a it was a a biopic uh, like a like a vi- it was a video essay on Bohemian Rhapsody. And why, or maybe maybe the the biopic doesn't the genre doesn't work so much. That's it was Patrick Willem's video yeah, that's on it. the musical biopic. Yeah, yeah, and so I so and that video is perfect and, and essentially re- it summarizes really well why Bohemian Rhapsody doesn't work. So the way Bohemian Rhapsody handles this biopic and how Rocket Man handles it very different. Bohemian Rhapsody was trying to be... I honestly think the movie was made because uh, Brian May and Roger Taylor just wanted to... just They just really want to bank off of Queen's legacy as long as they can. And, I mean, I don't know... <sighs> saying it like that me, I, I feel like implies that Queen is, you know, on the down. On the down. Like, no one is listening to Queen. Like, that is not true in the slightest. But, you know how else to reach out to a new generation of music listeners than making a cookie cutter film about it. Now, despite that, obviously I still will always go to back bat for Rami Malek in the film. I think his Oscar was the only thing that that movie deserved from the Oscars. Cause I also was participating uh, very briefly in that live tweeting event uh, because out of, yeah, I did not agree with all of all, but Rami's, um, 
his uh, his performance and his Oscar win. But I, I think with Rocket Man, it take it, it it takes one aspect and it runs with it. It's not this generalized. Oh, this is how we made it big. This is where he played. Here's him at Dodger Stadium. Here's him at in I don't know Brazil. Here's him here. No, they choose to focus on his relationship or his poor relationship with his parents and his subsequent addiction problems. They start off the film, like this isn't a spoiler, like the first scene of the film is him in this like ethereal AA meeting, essentially. And there's this awesome motif of like, we've seen it in the trailers. He's wearing that really extravagant, uh, like devil costume, like bright red costume, and there's this really awesome motif of throughout the film when we're progressing and he's getting closer and closer to re- re- rehabilitation that he starts shedding this costume, and then you know the very end of the film, we we end and he's in all white, and it appropriately ends with I'm still standing, and they do some really cool stuff with that that really got me hyped for it, and I think another thing that I've been describing to people that I haven't seen Rocket Man but really like Bohemian Rhapsody. I said Bohemian Rhapsody when you walk out of that, you blast Queen. Like you just want you want to you want to play Bohemian Rhapsody, you want to play We Will Rock You, you want to play all this stuff. And actually people did that after my screening of the show. But with Rocket Man, I mean, you don't it's not that you don't want to listen to Ellen John, but the themes are so it's it's I don't want to say it's bittersweet because you're because at the end of the film it, it ends with this note that he's been rehabilitated. They have these um they say oh he's been clean for or sober for however many years he's doing great, but you're not exactly going into your car and blasting Benny and the Jets. It you're kind of it leaves you more thinking about what you had just seen, and also Taron Egerton is spectacular in the film. He definitely embodies. Elton John with looks, he does his own vocals, which I was super excited about because I knew this guy could sing. And I think Rocket Man, it also kind of redefines the musical genre that I think so many modern films are failing at. And I think it did a better job at the musical than um than what was it? Than La La Land. I keep always going back to La La Land with the modern musical, but it La La Land failed and this film definitely embrace that fantastical aspect that is both Elton John's life and the musical genre. So I I, I definitely highly recommend this film. Uh, I enjoyed seeing it in the theater. I had good crowds for both, but I guess I'm an anomaly. I very rarely have poor theater experiences, but maybe that's because I don't go as much, and I, and I try and be strategic when I go. But I definitely recommend Rocketman in some capacity, whether it's uh, VOD or in the theater. I, I think everyone should see this movie because it gets that biopic correct. I was, I wasn't, my predictions were, it was going to be my, all my predictions and what I thought it was going to be weren't necessarily correct, but I definitely think it is a potential game changer, especially in the longevity of biopics. I think this is the film that people need to look at and change that formula to actually make impacting films. Well, that's, and that's kind of the sense that I got, which is why I do want to watch it. Um, just a couple of things. One, I'm with you on La La Land. I think La La Land's a good movie, but I think it's a terrible fucking musical. It's almost like an anti-musical. Like, uh, the, the songs are bad. The musical numbers are, are bad. Um, and one of the things I know that Rocket Man kind of does is a lot of the musical numbers. Well, first of all, it kind of 
embraces being a musical a little bit more. And then the numbers are almost like kind of like these fantasy sequences as they're, and that, I think that's kind of the way to do it. You know, we want, look, if I go see a queen biopic or a rocket man biopic or the David Bowie one that's getting made, like, I want to see the musical numbers. I want to see them perform this. And from everything you're saying and everything else I've heard, you know, it sounds like rocket man does that. Great. So I'm, I'm excited to watch it. Uh, I certainly don't have, I don't have a hatred of musical biopics that everybody else does. I just happen to dislike Bohemian Rhapsody. And that's the last thing I will say is the other thing that Rocket Man has going for it is it's not directed by Brian Singer. So that automatically makes it a better, uh, a better choice <laughs> out of the two. So um, I'm looking forward to checking it out. Now that you've recommended it, I trust you implicitly. So now that you've recommended it, I'm going to check it out, you know, as soon as I can. All right, perfect. Yeah, I, I think that, well, at least I would hope, because nothing sucks more, and, and I'm sure you've experienced this many times, when you recommend a film so highly, and then people go into it either feeling eh, or they hated it, and that was, incidentally enough, that was the experience that I had with most people with La La Land, they either felt meh or they hated it, because I initially really liked it, but now as time has gone on, I I I have a different thoughts on it, and maybe I'll, I'll get to that, I'll do an episode on that at some point, but... I, I definitely think there's a lot to really enjoy about Rocket Man, and there's like a lot of like objectively really good things about it. Uh, it's not a perfect movie, but I think it's damn enjoyable. And I and I going in, I was a very casual Elton John fan. I think this movie and Taron Egerton have really elevated me to the next step. I wouldn't say I like love Elton John, but I I've been listening to more of the music and experimenting more and and really enjoying it. But yeah, I, I really highly recommend this film. And yeah, yeah, hit me up whenever you see it. I, I really want to hear what you got to say about it. I for sure will. All right, awesome. And so I guess that concludes all of our uh, recommendations. Mike, I, I want to say again, thank you again for coming on. This was a lot of fun. And I, I definitely want to have you back on on my show. And either it be this segment or we talk about a specific movie or whatever whatever you want to talk about. I would love to definitely have you back on because this was a lot of fun. Dude, all you have to do is say the word. This was a blast. I will come and talk movies with you and uh, whenever you want to, man. This was this was so much fun for me. Yeah, awesome. And so, Mike, is there, for the listeners, and I'm sure, like I said, there's lots of surrogates. I'm sure a lot of people already follow you. But just in case we have some people that don't know where to find you, what are, what are your social media and how can uh, the fans reach out to you? Sure. I'm pretty much only on Twitter. Uh, so my Twitter handle is at Hibachi Justice. Uh, the one other one that I will I will kind of shout out is I'm also at Hibachi Justice on Letterboxd. Uh, the reason I'm shouting that out is so, as you know, uh, Dana Buckler and I do a series called the 20th Century Movie Club where we every week we recommend movies, uh, three movies each from before the year 2000. I have an ongoing going list all the movies we recommended so if you want to follow me on that you can see all the movies we recommended check out the dana buckler show on twitter uh and the podcast is just the dana buckler show um and that's yeah that's about where i'm at online 
All right, perfect. And yeah, guys, if, if for anyone that hasn't listened to Dana's show, yeah, go listen to the uh, 20th Century Movie Club. Yeah, you know, Mike and Dana have some awesome back and forths, and they, they've recommended some very awesome movies. And I, I think the most recent one, I think it's 14 right now, that, that was just recently... Uh, at the time of this recording released. I think it's it's one of the best ones ever. Of uh, awesome fan interaction that blew my mind. I asked uh, I asked to see the specific graphs to be a for for a tease for that episode and that plug and it's uh, insane. So yeah, everyone go check out that that film segment. Mike again, thank you again for being on the show and for for everyone listening, you can follow us as always on Twitter at AtoursPod. Pod. You can email us with any questions or comments or concerns at the Amateur Tours Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, have a have a great night and we'll see you next time. <laughs>